and welcome to episode number 79. I'm one of your hosts, Andy Buscemi, a good company with the one and only mythical legend himself, Mr. Neil Irvin. Hey, hey. Neil, what's up? What's going on, man? It's just us today. It's I like, know, just the two of us. It's like oh. the good old days. <laughs> I was looking good back. Good to be here. Um, like after, which actually on that last episode, I don't, I know that, you know, Neither of us really usually listen to it uh, mm-hmm. after we record, but at the very end, and listeners, I don't know who caught this or not, but at the very end of the last episode, we went on for a little bit, um, and I didn't realize that it was not part of the episode, so like after we closed out the episode, it went on for maybe like another two or three minutes. Um, you were talking about your your flash updates to the, to oh, the yeah. pro photo. It was actually uh-huh. good content, and I caught it after I already edited it, so I left it in. Oh, good. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. I made I made the made the switch to uh, to Pro Photo Gear. Um, you know, just getting rid of all my uh, Nikon SB nine hundreds. And 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 like, if if you guys didn't listen to that little little snippet, you know, I, I um I switched over to the B ones, the big powerful B ones, and um and pre- recently uh, Pro Photo came out with A ones, which are like little flash. Uh, speed lights, um, and now those get to talk to my B ones uh, because my SB nine hundreds didn't. Um, so it, it's it's nice to be all on the same system and and have lots of lighting power. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm considering changing my flash system now too, just because with the Sony's while they work, the young nows work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, what they don't have, and that I need to think about, is I need a on camera like TTL solution that also has the autofocus assist beam. Cause like when I'm on the dance floor at night, I want to, um, I need that, you know, for the, for the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I'm looking at the, the Godox now because they have, have an option where it will fire off like an autofocus assist beam off of the transmitter. So I'm kind of looking at some different flash options too. Um, but you are, want, are you... you want, you want full hog on that. <laughs> on <laughs> yeah. Those. So. Yeah, you know everybody's talking about cameras, 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 and uh, all all last year, all I was thinking about was lighting, lighting, lighting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, whenever cameras got brought up into conversation, I was always pretty much quiet, um, didn't have much to talk about because I really wasn't interested. But maybe, maybe now, um, now that my lighting situation is uh, where where I need it to be, maybe I can start talking about cameras. But then, with my pro photos, I'm I'm heavily invested now into the Nikon. Um, yeah. transmitter for for uh, for that, but I can easily change that out, but still keep the lights. That's what's one one beautiful thing about these third party uh, lighting things. You, you you once once you get all these SB nine hundreds with Nikon, you don't have to switch all the way over to Canon and get you know if you were to make the switch. Um, so it's nice that you can just get the get the transmitter yeah. um, for the for the new body. So, um, but yeah, I, you know what. Is it true that Sony came out with like a mini? Yes. Ace. Yes. Yeah, and that's something. Yeah, we'll kind of we'll kind of get into this. I was going to mention it, but not because you're 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 now a Sony guy, man. Oh yeah. I can I can pick your mind off. I'm a Sony and Nikon guy. I'm still both. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, And and I'm really debating on. I'm. I don't know if I'm going to go all the way Sony. I I very well may. I've been selling off some Nikon stuff, but not all of it. You know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, I, th- I think once you get more lenses, then I, I think you're going to be like, you yes. know, it, there's, there's no need. So, right. So the thing is, the thing that uh, the announcement, the two announcements actually that, that came out that are big um, are, is the a7 III is like a little brother to the a7 R3. Um, and ba- essentially, and this is this is oversimplifying it, but essentially that a7 III is everything that the a7R3 is, um, mine, except with the exception, the main, the biggest exception of the a7R3 has the 44 megapixels or whatever it is, and this has yeah. 24 like like our D750s have. So, um, right, yeah. But other than that, and the price is like two thousand dollars um, for this. Camera I know that's, body. that's insane. Yeah, yep. I, th- I, th- I think I might just do this just. Just to, to experiment get into the yeah yeah that's that's what I did with the with the Fuji last year I was like you know what the the price of it is like a camera lens right because you can get you can get if you get like that's that a seven three and one lens you're talking under three grand you know to basically experiment and play um, and see if it's something you want to go to and then once you kind of play with it then it's like oh, okay all right I got it and then and then that's why you know but that the Fuji's didn't do what I needed to do but basically now with at those prices for people that like like us that are full-time wedding photographers it's more of kind of like it's not as big of a step in to, to experiment when we're talking three grand or under when before you know like with a, with a body with a once a body costs over two grand and then you're talking lenses and all this other stuff and we were talking about the card issue on the A7R3. I had to upgrade yeah. my, my cards, 128 gig cards, just to get through a, a wedding day, um, because mm-hmm. these files are so huge. Um, but uh, but yeah, so now it's a little more. It's an easier step in, and I think this is the this is the camera that I think is you know gonna have a lot more people considering. It's gonna be an easier plunge to to take the the dip in, whether it's switching or just experimenting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's it's it, it, it checks all the boxes, all the boxes that you would really kind of want it to check um, as a wedding photographer. So, um, but that said, I'm actually I'm I'm super glad that I have the, the R3, I, which I didn't even know. Like I didn't know that the resolution mattered to me at all. I thought that it didn't. I thought that it would really piss me off having the big files <laughs> and taking longer to edit weddings and all that. But mm-hmm. even on the few shoots that I've had with it so far in this off season. Man, like I am like cropping into stuff that I never would crop into before. Like I'm taking vertical portraits and making horizontal crops mm. out of it and getting, mm. you know, like 4500, 5000 pixels on the end. Like on yeah, the on the crazy. wide end and it's that like is, holy That's crap. crazy. Yeah. And like and like even you look at the whole image, um mm-hmm. you can take like one fourth of the frame because you're you're you got like 70 900 i think it's 7950 it's almost 8000 pixels on one side so you can crop into almost a quarter frame and get you know i deliver it around 40 just over 4000 pixels um when i mm-hmm. i don't you know everybody's different on what they decide to do but i deliver around about just over 4000 maybe 4250 pixels on the long end to clients jpeg um and so you know that ability to crop in when you want to is really um it's something that i didn't really ex- know that i was gonna like as much as i did and yeah and it's a, a little more creative freedom in that so but as a you know you don't need all those pixels all the time like and it's so and it is not necessary we've been shooting with those mm-hmm. the d750s it's, it's not necessary at all if you know what you're doing in camera you know all the things that we say and it's not 
we're getting into camera talk now and i'm sorry <laughs> i apologize i apologize it's it's not and you're, you're you know hey I, hey I brought it up yeah but you, you did you, you i probably i wasn't going to go deep into the a7 III, but you brought it up um but i do want to go back to what you said though or what you're just mentioning just about lights because at the end of the day it is more about direction and how we direct clients and what the light looks like on on clients and and how we're setting things up it's not the freaking camera at the end of the day it's just these things are minorly make me excited, you know, to, to, to like do things that are a little bit different that are outside of the box, you know, and, and that, that, that helps solve these little things that are annoyances, you know, cause I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's like, for me is the, the, the micro auto focus adjusts annoyance, you know, it's not like a deal breaker end of the world. People have been shooting DSLRs for decades and it's been fine. You, you know what I mean? It's been fine. You know, it's not necessary, but yeah. it's an annoyance that sometimes you're shooting shallow and it's not totally in focus and it's and it's not necessarily your fault but a problem between the lens and the body, you know. So mm-hmm. um anyway. And and speaking of of gear, uh did you see that the rumor or I don't know, I think it's been confirmed already uh that that uh Sigma is is actually releasing uh, yes. 14 to 24. Well, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. No, that part I didn't see. The 14 to 24, I didn't see, but... Um, no? Oh, my gosh. And the price point is is probably like half of what Nikon was char- is charging for their uh, 14 to 24. Because hmm. I'm not... For the for those who have the, the 14 to 24, it's a beautiful, beautiful wide-angle lens. Um, and it's it, this has been, you know, in the works for quite some time of the rumor. Um it's been a rumor for quite some time that Sigma was going to come out with it, but for them to come out with it and and cut the price almost in half, that's that's insane to me. Um, so yeah, I, I I did read that. So if uh, if there's any Sigma Sigma fans out there, uh, be on the lookout for that. So the the my the Sigma news that I was going to mention um, is that this is the huge thing for me is a Sony shooter now I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, my the one thing that again when i made this all these these switches the 135 even when i switched to nikon you on the show all you hear me talking about is i need a 135 i want the 135 nikon i finally got the 135 sigma for nikon and i love it it's amazing (laughs) incredible and now i i'm here i am like you know finally after getting this lens for not you know half a year later or whatever kind of thinking you know making this sony move and no 135 the best 135 is a 2.8 lens uh and Mm. But the the huge announcement that I was waiting for, because I was posting in the A7R3 groups on Facebook and all that kind of thing, is trying to get different people's perspectives on what, what to do. And they were like, hold on, wait. We think that Sigma's going to make an announcement. And they did. They just oh, made, wow. they just recently make, made an announcement that um, they're bringing all of their art lenses, all of the art lenses to a Sony E-mount. Um, so that means that 135 1.8 is going to be there. All the, the so the Sigma Art Glass that I was using on Nikon is going to be available on the the E mount Sony now. And so mm-hmm. that is just that's I'm that just solved all my problems. You know, as far as like um, having some light lens selections in different different areas. Um, so uh, that that 135 1.8 and they're bringing that they have a, a 105 14. I think that they're gonna they're bringing Ooh. over too. So. Wow. And, and those art lenses are just uh they're amazing. So I I'm very happy about that. That's that's the the announcement that I was waiting for um that was mm-hmm. kind of just holding me back on the Sony. So now I I I can make the decision to maybe go all the way Sony with that announcement before um there was a, you know a couple of things holding me back. So 
Anyway, that's a that's a, I think the most gear talk that we've had on the show uh, maybe since we started it. <laughs> I know, right? It's <laughs> just yeah, right off the bat there. How about that? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, listeners, do remember that we have uh, an assortment of handpicked information that's relevant to you. To you, but first, just in case you forgot your place in space and time, uh, this is Wedding Photographers Unite, a bi-weekly wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. Bye, wedding photographers. The show goes live roughly every other week. And while we're at it, please do leave us a review and subscribe to iTunes. And subscribe in iTunes just like Jen P. No, sorry. Just like DHCIC73 did. Thank you, DHCIC73. Um, he or she says, So I binged the podcast on my drive home over the last couple months. All oh, caught wow. up now and had to finally write a review i loved every episode lots of explanation points that's good um i'm new to wedding photography about a year in i've assisted and started second shooting as a test just recently um so all you guys discuss is so relevant and informative that's you know this is you know as much as i think we're a good podcast for seasons season pros i think um i think it's you know as we've all mentioned we, we want to try and help new people starting out so this 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 is like the dream i wish i had this podcast or like this information when we started. It would have been so much easier. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, uh, so so thanks for all you guys discussed. It's so relevant and informative. I love all your guests, including Jim and James. Hey, um, even, right. even James? Even that guy over on the other side of the pond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get have him back, back on. on. I know, it's been a while. Yep. Um, all your content and jokes, even the theme song. There we go. Hey, there hey. we go. Um, <laughs> keep it up. I'm hooked. Exclamation point. Um, feel like you guys are my friends and family. Smiley face. Uh, that's from Dave, our neighbor in Long Island, New York. All um, right. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Dave. And then uh, we have one more. <laughs> now, this, I don't know. This is the, like the, That was a really good, re- good re- uh, review. This one might even be better. And, uh, and this, but just <laughs> let me just read the, the, the title of this one. And I hope you know, we got we to gotta help. Uh, this is Jamie Wiz. J- uh, Jamie Wiz. Thank you, Jamie Wiz. Her title is Sometimes the Highlight of My Week. Uh, and these are all five stars, so that's, that's amazing. But there, you got, we got to fill up your other things with other things to do in your week that just our podcast. Um, but the review is really good, and uh, so I'll read the review. Um, I stumbled on this podcast a few months ago, and I'm glad I did. Explanation point. Andy and Neil offer a great dialogue that is both entertaining and informative. James Ferrara, a frequent guest, adds even more to it. Uh, what makes it so great is that their personalities are different but complements each other. Andy is comical. See, I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> Where was that, that other podcast? This guy said I wasn't funny. Come on, I'm hilarious. Uh, well, you know, okay, uh, <laughs> in a good way, and offers constant facts and viewpoints that can help anyone with their wedding photography. Sometimes photography in general. Neil overall is much quieter, but when he speaks, take out a pen and paper because what he says can often be groundbreaking, at least for someone just starting out in the field of wedding photography. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. Like you're the you're the quiet type, but when you say something, better listen up. That's why I call you the <laughs> myth- mythical legend of of uh, wedding photography. You know, but sh- but should a podcast host be quiet? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's okay. We got it, a good the, the balance is all right. You know. Oh my gosh! You say, yeah, you, you say what you that, need that, to say when you need to. Have, that's why we have Jimmy on. You know, yeah. he, uh, he he fills in for yes, you know, very well. For me. <laughs> Very well. And so, and speaking of James, she goes on to James. James is quick and witty and makes the average podcast run runtime one hour frustratingly short. <laughs> yes, I wish it was longer. 
But by far my favorite component of the show are the conundrums. It's great comparing what I would do with these professionals in the same situations. I've been doing wildlife photography for five to six years now, and so I've been hesitant to begin wedding photography, but they have given me the confidence that I need at least to book a few and evaluate from there. Unfortunately, I binge listen to this podcast so much at work and have caught up that I've had to listen to some episodes two to three times. In summary, while this podcast is mainly for wedding photographers, I recommend this to photographers in general. You won't regret it. The opening track music used to be bland, but now I look forward to it. That's the best comment. She, ends, she or he are ends you, with that. Andy, are you paying these people? No. No, I'm not. These are all legitimate. It's all because I mentioned it here that people should leave a review and subscribe in iTunes. And please do because that helps other people find the podcast. You just made Jamie give a, have a highlight of her week. Give other people a highlight of their week. I'm just I'm just joking about that. But I, but honestly, in all seriousness, please do review and subscribe in, in iTunes. It absolutely helps um, other listeners find find the show, and uh, we we really appreciate it. Uh, it helps us keep going with the show. So thanks thanks for doing that. Um, all right, and then last, uh, just help us help you by sending in questions to info at weddingphotographersunite.com. Nobody does that. Or connect with us on our Facebook group. That's what everybody does. And uh, we'd prefer to talk with you rather than at you. So, um, yeah. So we've got uh, our main thing that we're going to do is kind of go through uh, those questions that we were going to do a couple weeks ago that we kind of mm-hmm. um, didn't have time to get through. So we're going to go um, to some of those questions there. And the first one that we didn't get to we talked about dave and the nikon 1.8 in the last episode um we're i think this is going to be a second shooter we're going to have a decent conversation on second shooters because uh that's what mick is asking about and then there's kind of a couple other people respond from there so um mick says shit second shooters have you had one (laughs) um i've had one recently and after all day coverage had about 20 usable images from them okay so second shooters and now so now here's the thing uh neil i'll let you because i've just talked a lot right now and uh and we're gonna i'm gonna have you balance this out a little bit right uh neil (laughs) neil talk about shit second shooters for a while and then i know well you just go talk well well i mean i i used to have uh second shooters before my wife came aboard and um, you know, you, you just never know what you get, uh, with a couple of them, especially, I mean, especially when I had second shooters, this was before the whole Facebook craze. And you know, this was when MySpace was big. And this is when I was, I, I would just get anybody that I could get and just to cover just so that I could say I had a second shooter in there. Yeah, there were times where I, I, I don't even think there were, there were times where I got 20 usable images from them. So Mick, you, you got kind of lucky there. You got luckier than I did in the past. Um, so, so then that, you know, that gave me a heads up, say, Hey, you know what? I need to uh, bring my wife on, train her and, and keep the money in house. And, um, and I know what I'm going to get all the time. Um, we, we, you know, over the past couple of seasons, my wife did break off and do her own thing, like, like shot her own weddings. And so therefore I got, I brought in some, um, some interns and shot with me and, and I got to train them. But luckily I, I got, you know, I got, probably about 40 to 80 usable images, which is still a good amount. Now, when I, whenever I'm shooting with someone who I've never worked before or an intern or someone who's never worked a wedding, I just, you know, no matter what, I'm always on my game. Working with my wife all the time now, um, she's a main shooter, so I, I, I can just kind of worry about it less because I know things are going to be covered. But always make sure that you're on your A game and be ready for anything, um, 
you know, you kind of have to be in two spots at one time sometimes. Um, co- cover a lot of ground just in case that second shooter isn't um, doing what they need to be, be be doing. But always look at their gear. You kind of get a sense of the kind of images that they're going to create by the, lo- by the look of the gear. If they show up with like a kit lens, then you kind of know, have an idea that, you know, you're going to get a lot of wide angle shots. Um, but if they have some primes there, then you're like, okay, this, this person has some, some nice gear and, and, you know, and always take a look at their portfolio. But I think Andy, you can probably, probably cover a little bit more ground because you're, you're constantly going through second shooters. Um, and you, you probably, you know, take some time and, and kind of look at their portfolios before bringing them on too. So, uh, so that, that's, that's pretty much all I have to add from, Cause I'm old. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, it's been I, a while for me, so that's good. I it's, think that's the best answer. The best answer is if you want a reliable second shooter, uh, you know, use somebody you know that's committed that's committed to your business as you are, right? That's that's the best answer that you can you can get. Um, uh, but when you're not in that situation, um, you know, wh- it's all about vetting people, right? And I'm sure that Mick has his main person that he uses. Um, you kind of develop that over the years, and for me, that's ch- that's shifted over the years. As like um, y- listeners that have listened a long time ago might remember, Scott Sutherland was on. He used to be my main second shooter for a while until he moved, um, and then I had kind of like some some uh, some people underneath him that kind of came up. In the other years, they became my main second shooters, and then maybe they started booking more weddings. So then mm-hmm. they kind of went lower in the and you know. So every year I have. Um, somebody who's kind of usually ends up being my main second shooter who takes on the bulk of the bulk of the work. Um, and, uh, but I usually have about three or four people that I, that I vet that I have that I'm totally comfortable with. That I, I the last thing I want to be doing on a wedding day is be concerned about, uh, is this person going to work out? Is this person going to be where they need to be? Are they going to show up to the guys on time? The, what, what we said we were going to do. Like, I don't want to be thinking about that at all. I had one, really terrible situation um a number of years ago and uh and that was from probably my fault um for you know not vetting this person as much as i should have you know like at the end of the day it was my fault for not probably doing my homework and or looking harder or whatever i needed to do um but i didn't and i had a real situation and uh luckily i was the wedding was away and i was able to make some phone calls and make things happen um in the time that it took to drive where i needed to to go it was it was a nightmare though um and uh and so that taught me a really valuable lesson about um you know vetting second shooters and and what i should be doing um before i have somebody that i'm going to you know say is part of part of my part of the day you know um it, it's a representation of your business and uh and who you are and and what you're saying that you're delivering to your clients and uh you need to do your homework before you have somebody be a part of the part of the day um it's it's uh, too important to not do that so um so i have my main people and then i um you know kind of fill in um from there but i um you know it's a matter of looking at people's work it's a matter of communication how well are people communicating um and uh and then knowing people in person um, is, is way better than mm. um, finding somebody online, right? And then just hoping that they're going to show up and shoot the day the, the way that you want to. And in, le- in certain circumstances, 
Um, so I'm always fine in like our area in Buffalo and Rochester. I always know the person. I'm always totally comfortable. But sometimes when I get um, weddings um, where that are out of town, like so last year. Yeah. Didn't you have one last year? Yeah. So I had I had a Connecticut yeah. last year and uh, and I actually went through the podcast because I because uh, um, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Bruchette, who was on our podcast, he's the Fuji shooter. I don't know if you remember okay. him, um, but he's from that area. And, he, and you know, I got to know him at least, and he had a recommendation for me that he said would be 100% reliable. And so that was, that's like real networking. I at least knew the person of the person and, and the dialogue was very good, very communicative, you know, like, like the, the communication back and forth with the guy that I used out in Connecticut, you know, um, mm-hmm. for that wedding. So I didn't worry about it at all. I wasn't worried about it going into the day because I had all that communication, you know, going into it. Um, I actually just booked a wedding in los angeles for december and i've been a little bit worried about what i was going to do about that right i'm like um you know especially finding somebody in la where the rates are a little bit different than they are here in buffalo new york and there's a different kind of attitude and everybody's got a camera in los angeles and all that you know Mm -hmm. um so i was worried about what i was going to do about that but i actually just sent my and i send my second shooters now in march for our wedding season kicks off in may june i like in our message in our in our group in our area people start you know in like january like hey who wants to fill in all these dates or whatever i don't do that until march because people should be trying to book their own weddings you know like like people that i want to use i feel like should be trying to book their own weddings you know so i don't really do that until march um and uh and when when their schedule is pretty much filled out and they know what's going on you know um, because I don't want to book a second and then like having, Oh, well I booked my own wedding, you know, like, no, that's not, I don't want to play that game, you know? So it's a mm-hmm. good time frame I think now to be doing that. But, um, but I just sent my list to my second shooter. Um, and, uh, he took a look and he's like, Hey, I think I can make this. Um, I wasn't even going to ask him, but he's like, Hey, you know, I think I can make this Los Angeles wedding work if, if, uh, if you're up for it. And I basically said, um, you know, it's worth the cost of the extra plane ticket to me, um, to have him there. You know, even mm-hmm. if, you know, with the couple, I kind of budgeted, I included travel time and all that. But for a second shooter, I didn't really include that much more because I wanted to book the wedding, to be honest. And I do have, mm-hmm. you know, connections where I would do the same thing that I did in Connecticut and find somebody I'm comfortable with. But if I have somebody here that I trust, that I use a lot, that wants to take that that flight with me, like I'll pay the ticket, you know, the cost of the ticket because it's worth the three, four hundred bucks for the ticket than it would be to have a headache and be concerned about who am I going to have with me on this this day. It's a super important. It's going to be a super important wedding to me, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you have to do your your due diligence on that. And speaking of which, um, I have a a wedding in Maine. Um, if, if there's any um podcast listeners that are in the Maine area, uh, let me know. The I'll even tell you the date. Or if if you or you know somebody that that is 100 percent reliable, I'm, has I'm good checking my calendar right now. <laughs> uh this w- because i will go will you because i love i love maine I, I absolutely love maine um well, the- i proposed to my wife in maine so it's it's a, it's a personal place for me so i'm checking the web i'm checking my calendar right now well go ahead well, the- okay well then maybe I'll, i have dibs listeners i have dibs Dude, if, if you want to i'll we'll we'll go out there if you're up for it that'd be um, awesome um, uh the date is hold on let me see but it's uh come on come on come on Maybe like a July, July. It, 20- no, it's a uh, May nineteenth. Oh man, that's a day after my uh, anniversary. Uh, oh, oh, that would have been cool, man. Actually, 
if my wife and I go to Maine for our anniversary the day after, I could shoot with you. There we go. It would be a whole write-off. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Interesting. We'll talk. Go well, actually. We're, we're, you know, we're having dinner tonight, yeah. so maybe we can uh, talk about it then. On the car ride over, <laughs> speak with your yeah. wife and say, hey, we should go to Maine for the anniversary, and then let me know tonight. <laughs> hey, do you need two second, two uh, a second and a third shooter? You could use both of us. We could always the, do. Uh... <laughs> we could always do that too. Um, so yeah, that, so anyway, so that's uh, le- let me let me know on that. <laughs> that yeah. That'd be amazing. Okay. Back back to the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know what, Stephen Gibrys, uh, he had he wants to build off on top of uh, Mick's question about second shooters' expectations, gear usage, pay, contracts, etc. I think you could probably kind of we are kind of already touched on expectations and gear. Um, what what do you think about usage, pay, and contracts? Yeah, and so contract stuff is always negotiable. Contracts are always negotiable. Um, from here's what you want from a you know from a bit from a business owner standpoint like if it's my wedding i book the wedding what i want is i um you know i have my second shooters work for me and they're essentially work for hire contracts right um where you know there's the expectation that those images are going to be used um not in my portfolio right i'm not going to put somebody else's work in my portfolio and say that it's mine right but they're going to be deliverable to the clients and in order to do that um, you know, you need to be, they need to be work for hire, um, essentially contracts. Now, let me be honest with you. Um, if it's somebody that I don't know, I very, I will, and do have a second shooter contract that says and outlines all this, you know, mm-hmm. but once you get, um, to the point where you know the people that you're working with and know them intimately and know who they are and you have these understandings, I don't do contracts for my main second shooters because I know who they are. I know they have their own businesses. They use their own work. They're, they're not dumb. They're, they're, you know, yeah. like I don't worry about it, but if it's somebody, it's, it's kind of, like, it's kind of like an unwritten contract kind of, kind of thing. We, we, you know, both parties should know the, know the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, so the other thing is, is portfolios, right? So like, if a second shooter wants to use an image in their portfolio, my standing has always been, well, this is what I would say, you know, that's fine. You can use it as long as you say that you shot it with me. Um, and it has to be on, on each individual image, right? Because mm. it's not representative of their work, you know, if you say that you, but look, so this Los Angeles wedding, right? Um, it wouldn't be representative of my second shooter's work. Um, you know, to t- have that one of those images in his portfolio if he didn't book the wedding. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. or that couple, there's two people's in- wedding couples and two different photographers' portfolios. It's not authentic, you know? So I'm always fine with it being authentic. Fine, use it. Just say that it was shot with me and it's very clearly written on the website under that image or by that image. And then yeah. that that kind of identifies the reality of it to anybody that's looking at that website, you know? So I'm always okay with it under those circumstances. Um, I have had people um, in the past when I first started that I've said that to, and then kind of forgot that. And I've had to have a conversation with them mm-hmm. as a reminder, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's not cool. Like I, like you don't <laughs> do that. It's not, that's, that's not what we agreed to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to do the right thing and you want to be super safe about your business, you should have a contract in place. I'm taking a risk every time that I don't have a contract in place, even though I know the people that I'm working with. Um, I'm taking a risk of, um, you know, because anytime you take an image and technically that is the copyright of the, 
of the image taker. So regardless of the situation, unless it says otherwise, unless there's a written contract that says otherwise, you know, so there is a quite, there's a risk involved when you don't have a contract, but it's about if you know the people that you're dealing with and you've agreed mm-hmm. and set these things up ahead of time, um, then you, and it's about trust, right? And if you really do have that level of trust, you're taking a risk, but if you have that level of trust, then don't worry about it and just make sure that you that you communicate this stuff ahead of time and you know who you're dealing with and then you don't have to necessarily do the contracts. But you should have one in place um, if it's somebody that you don't know or you're, you're not working with on a regular basis. Um, yeah. just, just so it's clear to everybody um, you know, ahead of time. So, um, And then as far as like the gear goes, you know, seconds should have their own gear and typically speaking, um, you know, or at least that's usually the understanding, but it's all negotiable, right? Um, and... And then usage, pay, and pay is something that it's different in every marketplace. Every marketplace has a rough amount that second shooters get paid. And like as I just kind of mentioned, it's going to be different in L.A. than it is in Buffalo than it mm-hmm. is in Florida. You know, it's it's just yeah. it's going to be different depending on the area, what the what general expectations are for second pay shooters. Uh, pay for second shooters. Um, and then, yeah, there you go. Cool. Um, let's go on to John's question. Uh, Neil, what about rebranding? How do we do Ooh. that? challenges and opportunities let's talk Ooh, um make it personal you know um and you got to be careful too um make it nice and clean i've I've recently rebranded um and i just kind of use my name because that's what that's what it is uh that's that's my brand um yeah uh gosh that's all all i got pretty much at is just make it personal and um Keep it true to yourself, and um, if if you don't have like a name, like a like a if if you have like a long name, um, I would shorten it up a little bit. Like um, our our one guest host, Cami uh, Grzynski, it's it's her, her. She's got a long name, so she just went with Kim. Cami Z. Uh, she shortened it up a little bit, so it's just very easy, very easy to say. Um, so it, it's like little examples like that that uh, that you might want to consider if if you have a long last name. So yeah, get, uh, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, I want just about the challenges of it. I think you want to do a slow transition, maybe, or you want to like ease into it. I would say because um, I kind of am doing that, but I'm doing a slow transition, you know, in, into the way that I'm kind of doing it. Um, because I think like if you totally change your style one day from, from what people are booking you for to what you're producing, um, it's people could ask like, Hey, what's going on here? I paid for this, but I'm getting this, you know? Well, Um, okay. Are we, are we, are we talking about the brand rebranding of images, the style of images mm. or rebranding like the website and your logos and all that stuff? That's what, Mm. that's kind of like what I was talking about. Yes. Um, so if, okay, but okay, I touched base on that. So, but now you're, you're talking about rebranding of style. So, okay. So yeah, well you could be, I guess you're right because it could be interpreted either way. It could be rebranding, rebranding, or uh, for, to me, style is wrapped up in rebranding, but maybe it doesn't have to be. So, um, but yeah, without it, um, I see what you're saying. Yeah, maybe just on the simple level, maybe that the style it doesn't even need to be in that. But if if style, I'll say this: if style is included, uh, roll into it easy. <laughs> but the rebranding can you can just do sure, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's go on to 
uh, Val. Uh, Val, who actually I was, we were just talking. Actually, about actually, actually, you know what? We we skipped over one of Mick's questions about new venues. Do we check them out first? I think this could probably be a quick fire. Sure, quick. Um, it, it, you know, if if it's not local, I will do like a Google image search just to get kind of get an idea of the style of the place. You know, the architecture, you know, just get the, the kind of style it is, if it's traditional, if it's if it's European style, you know, things like that. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I like to go with brand new eyes, fresh eyes, because a place might be completely decorated differently from a previous wedding. Um, the lighting will be different. And uh, I don't, you know, uh, like I always say, I, I don't study other, other photographers. I study other artists in other different genres. So I don't want another photographer's style of image that they created at that venue to come over cross over into my work. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I personally do. Um, what about you? Do you check out new venues and go there beforehand or Google search? Um, so one of my favorite questions that I always get from couples, uh, when they're, you know, they're interviewing you, right. Essentially to, to be their wedding photographer is, have you ever shot at such and such a venue, venue before? I love it. I love that question because <laughs> if you if you say if you say yes, I mean yes, then they're like, okay, that's great. He's shot there before. We're comfortable. We're confident. Okay, but when you haven't shot there before, you almost feel obliged to like it, like I have a, an explanation that I'll get into that's kind of similar to what you just mentioned, but it's just like mm-hmm. it's just so they don't know any better that it really doesn't matter. That, that if we've shot in a place or not it's actually almost better than, than we haven't and, I, and it's our job to yeah. kind of explain that to them that it is better to go with with fresh eyes you know once you've been in one dark lighting situation you've kind of been in them all so it's it's you know we can you and i as people that have been doing this for seven eight nine years or whatever it's been um 10 years something like that like for you i don't know but what, what yeah, I'm, I'm going on 11 there you go. When you've yeah. been when you've been doing long it for this time. long, we can walk into a, ro- in a room and almost immediately, within fifteen to thirty seconds, identify what we need to do for light in order to make things happen. Like it doesn't take long, you know. Um, but clients don't really necessarily know that, so we have to kind of communicate that. And that, that that little thing that I mentioned there always kind of gets shifted. But so no, I don't. I, I I'll I'll get the idea. Like if it's a new venue in a different place like you just mentioned i'll do a google maps look at it i'll take a look at it on google maps i'm like okay it looks like this i've shot in that environment before got it and that's Mm -hmm. the extent of it other than that i want to just show up and 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 you know be creative with what we do because it's going to be different in every situation um and i do try to not also like what you said at least you know i'm maybe not as i don't think it's a hard stance on you on that as looking at other photographers work but i don't when i google the the venue if i do that I'm looking at the venue, not other wedding photographers' shots that they've taken in that venue. Because yeah. screw that. Mm-hmm. Because then I'm going to end up wanting to take or like be and be thinking about, oh well, this other photographer took this shot that way, and I don't want to be thinking that. I want to be doing it because I want to do it, not because I saw some other photographer do it. You know, because then that's going to mm-hmm. play head games with me when I'm when I'm shooting it. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and whenever you know clients ask that question, and and if you say no, like 
people don't want to hear the word no. Right. Um, but I always say, you know, what? I've I've always wanted to work there. I've I've been waiting for someone to hire me so I could work, you know, shoot a wedding there. And so but just kind of like, but why if if you because it's new, I'm it's excited. I'm like a a kid in a candy store. There's all these new backdrops, all all these new 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 things for me to work with. Um, so that I, I just get really excited about it because you know it, it's to hear the word no is is just a negative response. Uh, yeah, I guess. So. But what that's fine for an out of state venue. But when it's in state, I feel like if it's like a a semi-popular in-state venue, right? Like, or in like a Buffalo or Rochester venue for me, right? And I haven't shot there before, and I say no. They're like, "What? You're, you're, you know, you have your name or whatever, and you've never shot at such and such venue. Do you know what I mean? Like, like maybe I don't have you figured out the way I should. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's what they're <laughs> thinking inside their heads, and it's so dumb because like sometimes it just works out to be that you don't shoot every venue. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I have a lot of like in Rochester, dear. Deerfield is like become popular and I have like a ton of Deerfield weddings now and and it actually I like it because it's a nice venue but I hate it because I'm there like four or five times next year and you know that's just the way that it, the cookie crumbled you know what I mean like sometimes mm-hmm. you work a lot of venues one year and sometimes you you don't see them at all for four or five you know um, yeah. it just is what it is but mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> one of my favorite questions um, yes so all right. Okay. So let's go on back, to back, yeah, back to Valerie. Back to Val and and Val um um still is one of my second shooters, but really she's picking picked up a lot of her own work recently. So she's really kind of taking a backseat, and you know, okay. different things I, have I, happened. So okay, I've been calling her Valerie. So she, she uh, does she prefer Val? Um, either one. I, I, okay. I call her Val. I always, I, always, I always call people by their full name. Yeah. I don't know why. I just do. But yeah. um, you're, a, you're a formal guy. <laughs> you, like to, you like to be formal. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Let's get to Val. Okay. So uh, she says, uh, I'd like to know more about how you both organize your clients for the year, how you track your mileage, expenses, purchases, et cetera. Mm. I got I to gotta go get the wife for this question. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm... Don't do this, Val. You know, so Val, you know me because, because you work with me from time to time, and you know how I can sometimes be about things. Don't do what I do. I'll tell you what I do, but just don't do what I do. Um, I don't really keep track of my mileage uh, ex- at all, um, except and so what I do. What 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 I'll what I'll be doing. Um, I take I have a really long day before I do my taxes and I have my tax taxes coming up pretty soon. So what I do is I go through my calendar. I go back. So I'll be going back to January 1st, 2017 in a few days and I'll be looking at, oh, I had a shoot here. So it takes about that many miles. And then I, and then I add them up. I go through the calendar for the entire year and I, and I throw them into an Excel sheet and then I can add up all the miles that way. Um, so you can do that. I mean, but you you don't want to. Um, maybe you want to keep yeah. better track throughout the year. Yeah, Val, don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's what I do. You know, I just I go through mm-hmm. the calendar and I'm like, oh, it, t- t- it looks like it's about that many miles, and I put that on there. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it works. It gets the job done. If I ever get audited, you know, that's where I was. It's about how many miles it was, but it, it ends up taking me a long time, you know, to kind of go through and do that. And I do that in general with my taxes too. Like, so I do have like an Excel sheet that 
I keep all my business expenses in, but I, I just literally, I throw everything into a folder and it just sits in this folder all year. I, I try to keep it organized. I try and say, oh, travel expenses. And I have all these different labels on all of them. But by the end of the year, it just doesn't matter because everything's just thrown in it all over the place. It's like, oh, the 2017 <laughs> business expenses. And then I and then I, I take a day and I have like the room that you're seeing me in and over the Skype chat is just like filled with like papers <laughs> everywhere. There'll be piles of papers, like, you know, trying to organize all the, all the paper receipts. And I, but I do have a digital receipts folder too. So any digital receipts, I go through all my Amazon orders, my B and H orders, and and go through it all that way. But it all goes into an Excel sheet, and then I add it up that way, and then mm-hmm. hand that over to my accountant. Uh, that's what I do. Okay. Well, Val, I can't answer this question because my wife, she she does all of this, and she's very, very, very good at it. Um, so if you ever come across the two of us in person. Uh, feel free to pick her brain, but um, maybe maybe on a on a future episode we'll have her on and and we can discuss all this stuff. So, okay, but yeah, I, I used to be like Andy. I used to show. I used to throw everything in inside of a shoebox, and <laughs> and uh, and like probably April twelfth ro- rolled around when you only had like like two two or three days to go. Yeah. Um, I, I handed it all to an accountant, and uh, and they would yell at me and. <laughs> And that's and I always, I always paid them more because I was one of those guys. But yeah, yeah. that ended that ended long time ago. Yeah. So don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I do get organized. Like it actually, it's a very beautiful looking Excel sheet. By the end of this very long day, I have torturing myself because I don't do my work during the year. But it ends up being a very nice presentable spreadsheet that I just my accountant says, "Hey, what are your numbers for this?" And I'm like, "Bang." What are your numbers for this? I'm like, "Bang." I, so I'm organized on a day. But for me, I would rather. I hate, I hate, I got, I do what I do so there could be red less tape in my life. Like being mm-hmm. a teacher, when I was a teacher, all the politics of a school district, or if you're in corporate America, I, I do what I do because I don't, I don't want to deal with any of that. And so I would rather, and matter of fact, I, I should be paying quarterly taxes. At, um, I should be filing every quarter and all that. Um, but you don't have to every quarter as long as you're willing to suck up like this $200 fee in New York. And I, I happily, happily pay the $200 fee so that, so that I can only have to deal with taxes once a year. It is worth every penny of that $200 fee or whatever it is that I pay so that I don't have to deal with it until the end of the year. But what that generally means is... Yeah. I, I, yeah. Look, <laughs> that's where I'm You don't I'm even going. have to say yeah. it. Oh, man. <laughs> what, that gen- okay. what that general means is that this time of year, I get a very big bill. They're, they're, oh. like, they're like, hey, you got to pay this huge bill. And I'm like, all right. But, I, but I, at least I know what I'm getting into. And, I, and it's not like I'm not. I kind of save up for it. You know, I save up for at least half of it. And then the other half, I'm like, oh. so, so listeners, do not follow my advice on this particular part. I'm just letting you know. But it is possible. But it's worth it to me to not have to, to only have to deal with taxes once a year. You know, so that's why. That's what, I, that's what uh, I do. It's how I roll, and I'm and I happily do it that way. You know. All right, all right, dude. We're you know, like I said, we're coming over to your house tonight for dinner with the wife. Don't just don't bring this up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh man, I'm yeah. I'm getting hot. Like yeah. I have a sweatshirt on. I gotta I gotta take it off. I'm just oh, yeah. I'm just I'm sweating for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm bracing for how big this bill is going to be this year too, because I had oh. a, I had a good year and you know whatever you know. So it's, it's yeah. gonna be a nice nice bill to pay. <sighs> anyway, um, so don't do not listen to that advice. But I'm just you know, let's it, you can get by that way. You can get by that way just fine. You, yeah, you can. You can actually. Um, 
but it's right. a personal choice. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, Vale has another question, and uh, Vale says, uh, if you didn't have a studio where you meet your clients, where would you meet with potential clients? Thinking back to when you were earlier on in the business, how do you prep for those potential client meetings, and what do you bring with you? Did you bring your charm? <laughs> yes. Uh, some kind of portfolio. <laughs> Always, yes. Uh, you, yeah, that you need all the time. Um, some kind of portfolio or printed contract and notes. What did you did you you did I'm sure the coffee shop thing I did the coffee shop thing did you do that I did I I chose um, the upper scale coffee shop at the time uh, Panera Bread was was my choice but they were t- way too busy they were so busy that my clients like hard had a hard time finding me in the in the place and um, it was very loud so that I think that only lasted one time um, then I did a Dunkin' Donuts which was nice it was small uh, it was quiet. And then I did. Oh, then I did the back of my um, my parents' wine store after after they closed. That's where I met met my clients. I I set up um, set up a computer and I had a had an album. Brought my charm and I, I you know I never I never took notes. But once my wife came on board, she's the one who took all the notes. Um, and of course, a contract be be ready to sign them right then and there. So yeah. yeah. Um, if, if I have to go, if I, if I, if I had to go back, yeah, definitely. I, I would meet up at a, at, at a local coffee shop somewhere. Um, you know, I, I think that's what everybody is. I, you know, I came across an employee once of, uh, of a Starbucks. I, I think it was a guest of a wedding or whatever. And she was like, I see you photographers like multiple times every day. It's like, Oh my gosh, I guess that's the, the place to be. If you're a wedding photographer, yeah. Starbucks are popular. So mm-hmm. that's, and that's, and that's probably where I would go to. Yeah, I did. Um, Especially if the if the if the business is welcoming, you know that that allows you to do business inside their business, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. You know what? I ended, I ended up doing. Um, I tried to not do the Starbucks just because chains. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I tried to do a local place because I thought it was a little more. Um, I don't know, supporting local business more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did, uh, spot coffee was kind of like my go-to when I was doing that for, I think I did that for about a half a year, maybe half a year to a year before I had my first studio space, which was actually more just like a studio was more an office. Um, but it did have a collaborative shoot space. Um, it, the thing is, is I think that you can keep going as you can go, you can go to a certain place. We've talked about this before. We talked when we talked about studios. You can, you can do that mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time before you start competing. Once you, you go up in price, you start competing with other people that um, have studio spaces. Um, once you get to a certain price point, and I think at that point you kind of need to um, just you can only go so far, you know, before you really kind of need to um, get something going, or unless you're okay with staying at the price point that you're at. But once you, once you get up to a certain price point, you start competing with other photographers that have spaces. And when people are going to both, um, there's, I think something that makes a couple feel more comfortable with knowing that, uh, their photographer has a, a set space that they know where they can, um, find them if there was a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that I think, uh, plays into it. So, but there's nothing wrong with it, and I think it's fine. And I think you, you, no matter what, you always kind of need to bring your charm, like you said. Um, and uh, and I would always just have that with me and a portfolio with just just the books. Um, and I always go through the contract. I know a lot of other photographers don't, um, but I've always, since I've started my business, um, 
not gone through every point on the contract, but I read it through with them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my little line is, I always say, uh, you know, I, I've never had a problem photographing wedding because I always talk about it now rather than have a problem later. And I kind of say it with charm, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and then kind of go through some of the, the bigger points that I want to mention that make sure we're all on the same page. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I... And even if you have a studio, it doesn't need to be fancy. I'm living proof of it right now because we're, we are kind of in the transition of moving studios and our studio is an absolute disaster, like a bomb set off. <laughs> it's, it's and our, like prints aren't even on the walls and we've had, you know, every, every client that came in recently has booked us. So it was, I think, I think just being professional and being charming is, is what it's all about. They've, they're already, they're already used to looking at your work and you know if you pull out an album that's that's fine i don't, I don't think you need a fancy space anymore um to be honest yeah you know, I've, I've i'm looking back at all these all the money i spent on these fancy studios and and i'm getting you know more bookings now than i did in the past so mm-hmm. obviously that stuff really didn't didn't matter so right yep mm-hmm. yep and that's the that's same thing for me when i had that when i was out in rochester i was paying way too much for a space that i was not utilizing the way that i should have been and uh i'm very happy in my new situation right now because i'm spending way less than half the cost and bookings are going just as well if not better so mm-hmm. um, yeah but but having the some kind of physical space i think is the difference between between that and you know and not so mm-hmm. yeah yep. um so, All right. Cool. Actually, I think um, maybe if it's cool, yeah. I think we might we might cut things off here um, with the questions. Yeah, I was going to ask how we're doing on time. Yep, and and we'll hold off on these uh, for the next episode because we're approaching almost an hour here. Um, I okay. just had a, a tip of the day I wanted to mention. I don't know if you do, but I just want to mention uh, one one quick little tip of the day um, that I was thinking of, and and because I had uh, this experience happen recently, and I reminded, I was like, oh, that'd be a good tip of the day for the show. Um, mm-hmm. Be mindful. Here's my tip of the day. Be mindful of the gear and lights you leave up um, as a second. So if you have a second shooter or if you're a second shooter or even your own gear for that matter, um, if you're going to be setting up gear around the room, um, like at the reception in particular, um, be careful of where it is. Be careful of where you put your bags. Be careful of where these things go because if you make the wrong decision on those, they end up showing up in the photos in places you don't want them to show up. Um, and, and I had that happen recently and it, nothing irks me more than when, if, if it's the second shooter that's working for me, that sets things up in a place that ends up in the photos, or if I do it to myself, cause I do it to myself too. Um, we can be smarter about that when we're putting our things down and, and choosing to put our lights in places and bags in certain places. Um, don't put them in, in dumb places, <laughs> please don't do it. Cause, uh, <laughs> cause they're going to be in your couple's wedding photos for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. so be careful with that. That's my uh, that's my tip of the day. That's the worst, man. I can't stand that when that happens from either me or a second. So, mm-hmm. um, that's my tip. Um, cool. And unless you got one, I think that might wrap things up. We good here? Yeah, you we're good. One? Okay. Yep. All right, uh, then, listeners. Thanks for listening in. Uh, we'll continue on uh, next episode with the rest of those questions and uh, and uh, go on from there. Uh, thanks again for uh, for those. Really, I think some of the best uh, reviews we've had in iTunes there. If you've been listening to the show for a while and really enjoy um, you know, the, what you're getting out of the show and you haven't left a review, please do do that. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening in. And uh, Neil, where can people find you? Uh, Neil Urban, N-E-A-L-U-R-B-A-N. Uh, find me anywhere on social media. 
Um, I mean, giving this whole new Vero thing a try, I think. Yeah. I just signed up for it. Yeah. I, I heard the hype, and, you know, Facebook is way too depressing, like way too much politics. Like, don't people get tired of talking about politics over and over? And no matter what, you're not going to change anybody's mind. So why even talk about it? But anyways, yeah, uh, Facebook's just kind of a little too negative for me. So I'm looking at for other – you know, where are you guys hanging out? Are you guys hanging out on Twitter more? Are you guys hanging out on Instagram? Are you guys giving this whole Vero thing a, a shot? If you are, find me. Um, everything's under Neil Urban. So that's that's my little rant of Facebook. Stupid. <laughs> no, that's good, man. And algorithms, and, and they're changing their algorithms just where like things aren't even being posted anymore. Like I'll post something and it's like – I don't even get anything back anymore. It's like, what is going on with this? Uh, yeah, things need to change. Mm-hmm. And they're changing Instagram too, their whole algorithm thing with Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm just starting to, to use it a little bit more, and, and now they're changing things again. So is Vero going to be the new thing where everybody's going to go? And because yeah. cause the, thing, the, the thing that sold me on is that they, they're, they're not using any algorithms at all. Right. Yeah. You know, the only the only thing to be wary of um, that I have heard about Vero is uh, that the terms of service are not particularly good, um, right. and it could be you know one of those issues that we've heard and had the conversation about other social media platforms before. But the the terms of service uh, uh, they own everything, can do whatever they want with it, and and that's what they are. That's what it says. So I think uh, I think we can dip a toe in and see what happens um, with it. Um, and go from there but uh it'll be interesting um, to see how things pan out you know colby colby uh let me see here colby yeah colby brown he recently wrote a really good um good article about about this new platform so uh and he posted it on his facebook so go find him he's a really good landscape shooter colby brown um, so go check that stuff out. He addresses all of these issues and, and rumors and all that stuff. So, okay. um, but yeah, where, where can people find you? Uh, my name is Andy Buscemi. Last name is B-U-S-C-E-M-I. You can Google me and find me on social media that way. Um, and thanks everybody. We will, uh, catch you next time. And Neil, I'll see you tonight for dinner. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Bye okay. everybody. Later everybody. <laughs> Wedding photographers. Unite.